Well, thank you, Brother Rob, for giving that great introduction to uh, what I'm going to say. Uh, the message, of course, is a very simple question. How happy are you? You may be surprised at my asking that question, but I believe as we go through the verses, you will understand why we ask the question, how happy are you? Uh, Larry Crabb said, feeling better has become more important to us than finding God. Isn't that something? Are most people happy? Dennis Holy, author of Are You Happy?, reports that according to expert opinion, perhaps only 20% of Americans are happy. How sad. You're gonna be surprised at this one. Six weeks before he died, a reporter asked Elvis Presley, Elvis, when you first started playing music, you said you wanted to be rich, famous, and happy. Are you happy? His answer, I'm lonely as hell. Money won't buy happiness, dear people, but it will pay the salaries of a large research staff to study the problem, said Bill Vaughn. This Psalm 1 sets the pace for the entire book of Psalms. It's really an amazing Psalm. That's why God the Holy Spirit put it first place. It is an important introduction to all of the 150 Psalms that follow. Simply stated, it describes and contrasts the way of those who trust God and those who choose not to. So all of the world is put into two categories according to this Psalm. Either you trust God or you do not trust God. This is where you are today, my friend. You are either one or the other. There's no other, other way to say it. Let's look at these verses very carefully and get as much out of them as possible. And remember, there are only six verses here, so it won't really not very taxing problem to discover God's message for us in this beautiful, beautiful psalm. Looking at verse 1, I want you to notice something. I want you to notice, as you can see it, if your cell phone is open or however you're reading the word or the actual uh, hard copy Bible on your lap there, notice the three negative things done here by the blessed man. Now, when we use the word blessed and you see it in verse 1, blessed is the man, you, uh, what does the word blessed mean? Let's define that first of all, shall we? Well, it means happy. Uh, remember the uh, remember the beatitudes that Jesus gave, and, and in Matthew five three he said, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven." So, blessed are the poor. It means here it means literally, oh the happiness. So the word blessed means happy. This happiness comes from God, of course. We should know that. And it comes when one has a relationship with Jesus Christ. So if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ today, my friend, you know what happiness is. But I must warn you, if you do not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you really do not know what real happiness is. It is a pity that we have not kept the word happy 
to the high and holy plane where Jesus placed it. Because you remember in, in John chapter 13, 17, listen to this wonderful word, Jesus speaking. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So Jesus said, here I've given you my word. Now you read it and you learn to do these things. And if you do them the way I have instructed you to do them, you will be a happy person. What a, what a beautiful word right from the lips of Jesus himself in, in, that, in that chapter of John. Now, I mentioned as we began in verse 1, there are three negative things in verse 1 here that are, that are done by the blessed man, the happy person. So look at them closely. Number one, he does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. Your Bible may say the word wicked or some other similar word. And you know, uh, it, it may use the word the counsel of the ungodly. Uh, this, this, of course, ungodly is talking about earthly wisdom. This is the kind of wisdom, dear friend, when you talk about earthly wisdom, you're talking about that which leaves God out of its plans, its desires, its thinking process, and its lifestyle. That's what we're talking about here when it uses the word uh, ungodly or wicked. God classifies all mankind as either godly or ungodly, wicked or not wicked. You may not like that, my dear friend. I may not like it, but that's the way God does it. You either, you either are or you are, are not. It's really quite uh, easy as you look at it God's way here. So, ungodly, I should explain, does not mean that a person is cruel. It doesn't mean that you are unkind. It doesn't mean that you are morally debased. It doesn't mean anything of the sort, but he still uses the word wicked or ungodly to classify all of mankind, either that or not. So it's interesting. Of course, some people are what I just read about, but a lot of people aren't, of course. It just means that God doesn't have, that this person does not have God in his life. And that's your case here today, my dear friend. You either have God in your life now or you don't. And that's why the message today, so you will learn to put him into your life. It's so easy if you will just do it. It's really, really quite marvelous. Jesus said, <clears throat> um, in other words, I wanted to say the believer in God who has committed his life to Jesus Christ no longer walks in this, in this road. This road do not, he does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. And if you're a Christian, that's not the way, that's not where you walk. Jesus said, I am the way. And when you choose him, you walk with him. And that's why the Christian no longer walks in the counsel of the ungodly. Now we go to the second one in this first part of the psalm. What is the second thing that the happy person does not do? Notice it. He does not stand in the, in, the, in the path or the way of sinners. It's interesting. The first one, we looked about a, a person who was not walking in a certain place. 
Now we're talking about a person who is not standing in a certain place. Did you see it? Sinners is another synonym for ungodly here or wicked or whatever your translation may say. He does not feel comfortable there. The Christian does not, he does not stop long enough to be identified as one who loiters or toys with the ideas of the world. And so that's why it says he does not stand in the path or the way of sinners. He does not hesitate there. His mind is made up. He knows there is nothing there for him. This person is happy because he is not standing in the sinner's path. You see, when you, when you choose this way, my dear friend, you are happy. Happiness then becomes an, an internal part of your life that is not dependent on what goes on around you. And it's interesting, the world says this, I'm happy because of what happens around me. And that's so true. The worldly person, the person that does not know Jesus, his happiness depends on things that happen, H-A-P-P-E-N. These are happenings. That's why some people are happy, because of the happenings that go on in your life without Jesus. And of course, they're enjoyable and nice, but that's the reason why that it's, it's a... It's all de dependent on something that goes on around you. But you see, the Christian is happy because of what happens inside of him. Because Jesus Christ is his joy. Because Jesus lives in his life. When you choose him, you choose joy. When you choose him, he gives you his joy. He gives you his peace, and so therefore, what a, way, what a way to live. Now, there's a third thing in this first verse. Notice that uh, this is the third thing that the happy person does not do. So we've already learned about two of them, about where he does not walk and where he does not stand. And now look at verse at the, the next one. He does not sit in the seat of the scornful. So he's been, it's interesting, he was walking, and then he was standing, and now, now he's sitting. Not the Christian, but the other, the, the ones of the world. He does not sit with them because they are mockers. You see, sitting indicates communion with a person. Spurgeon said it so well, Dr. Charles Spurgeon. The seat of the scorner may be very lofty, but it is very near to the gate of hell. Let us flee from it, for it shall soon be empty, and destruction shall swallow up the man who sits therein, said, said dear old Charles Spurgeon. This Christian that we just spoke about here, this third one, this Christian who is happy does not find himself or herself in the compromising positions that would position themselves with those who espouse ideas and lifestyles that would be dishonoring to the Lord. So there's a summary, dear, dear people, of this first verse. Listen to it. Here is the summary in three different lines. The ungodly have their counsel and the Christian they don't walk there. The sinners, second place, have their path. 
The sinners have their path, but Christians, you don't stand there. The third place, the scornful, they have a favorite chair where they like to sit, but Christian, you don't sit there. You can, you can judge your life right now as a believer on how you're interacting out there in the world by these three things. I hope that you will seriously look at them and ponder them and think about them and be sure and do what God the Holy Spirit wants you to do about these three, these three places. Now, there is a warning. There's only one way that you can get near these places that you're not supposed to be, walking, standing, sitting. And it's, Jesus gives it in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16. It's the most beautiful verse in the Bible. One of them anyway, there's so many. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. It's a very solemn thought, my dear friends. Be, Christians, beware. And don't be deluded. Don't be deceived. Don't be baited into walking or standing or sitting in wrong places in this life. If you are in this roadway, get out and have the joy of the Lord once again in your life, I beg of you. The devil is clever. We all know that. He first gets you to walk in the wrong place. Then he gets you to stand in the wrong place. And then you sit in the wrong place. It gets worse each step of the way. Each step you take without Jesus takes you in the wrong direction, my friend. Don't take another step without him, I beg of you. Look at verse 2. Notice the two ways that uh, the psalmist handled the word of God. This is beautiful. In, in the, in this, it, it's so simple, and, but it's, it's wonderful. So it says in Psalm 1-2, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In other words, he likes God's book, the Bible. He delights in it. It's a delight for him. What does it mean to delight in the word of God? Well, there are, there are many ways to say it, but I, I guess we could give kind of a, of a crude illustration here. Every precious thing is hidden in such a way that it is a reward to the diligent, a prize to the earnest but a disappointment to the slothful soul. All of nature is arrayed against the lounger and the lazy person. Did you know that? Let me explain why. Look, the nut is hidden inside that real hard shell, is it not? That hard case? Hard to get it out, but you can get it out. Um, it's interesting. <clears throat> the, um, the pearl is buried beneath the ocean waves. Hard to get to. Have to get to the little animal. Have to get, get it open. Get to the, get to the pearl. It's, it's buried there, but it's there. And then, it's interesting. Gold is imprisoned in the bosom of the mountains. The gem is found only after you crush the rock. The very soil gives its harvest as reward to the laboring farmer. Meditation is that same way. You must delight and meditate in the Word of God. Henry Ford said it pretty well. He said this, cut your own wood and you warm yourself twice. 
I like that. <clears throat> so in his law, he meditates day and night. To meditate means to read, to think, to analyze, to ponder. It means to uh, keep it consciously and constantly in your thoughts. It means that the Bible and its message becomes a part of your thinking day and night. The Bible is the greatest book in the world, the only book that is living. It is a living book, the Bible. Did you know that when, chow, when cows chew their cud, they are meditating? That's the same, that's the word, that's the word for it, meditating, chewing the cud. So believers who like the Bible, they, they read it and they chew their cud. They love it. Wow, that was a great verse. Let's think about that verse. Let's pray about that verse. I'm not doing what it says there. Let, let's, let me get better. So what a beautiful thing. Um, it's, it's wonderful. The Word of God, it's so precious, dear people. Uh, I, I use Dr. Spurgeon a lot in my messages. Uh, Dr. Charles Spurgeon was a great man of God. Uh, one time he was in this huge building testing the acoustics of this huge church. So he went to the microphone. I don't think they even had microphones then. He just stepped to the pulpit and he quoted John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. And you know, uh, there, there, it's interesting that a, a person came up to him after he quoted that verse, uh, and he says, I just heard you read a verse or quote a verse from the Bible, John 3.16, you said, and he said, when I heard it, I was instantly convicted of my sin, and I received Jesus as my personal Savior. In that huge church all by himself, and Spurgeon up there quoting that verse. You see, the Word of God is powerful. It is powerful in your life and in mine if we will just allow it to do its work. Look at verse 3. There are four things that likens, that likens this person to a tree. This person who is happy and who is doing what the verses that we've already talked about is doing. There are four things that this, uh, that likens this person to a tree. So look at how much like a tree, a person who is happy and doing things God ways. If it says number one, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Note, did you notice class that he was, that he was planted? Now, you see, it's just not an automatic thing. You're, you're not, you, you just do not become a Christian automatically like many people that I have talked to through the years, especially when we lived in Brazil, said, well, my, my, dad was, my dad was a Catholic and my mother was a Catholic, so I'm a Catholic. Well, not really. And then I'd say, what about believing in Jesus? Well, they believe in Jesus, and so I believe in Jesus, but, but they thought it was automatic. And I led a, a young man to Christ in the Amazon jungles one time, and, and uh, his dad brought him to me and said, I'm so upset because you said in your message that because, he says, um, because I'm a Christian, my son is not a Christian automatically. I said, that's right. 
uh, Evandru has to receive Jesus also. So that night on my front porch, that young man accepted Christ as his personal savior, even though he thought he was already a Christian. You see, dear people, it's something that you just don't get because mom and dad have it. It's something you have to get because you want it and ask Jesus for it. And if you will, he will come into your life and give you his wonderful and blessed peace and forgiveness of sins. Well, anyway, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. When you receive Jesus as your personal Savior, my friend, you are baptized by the Holy Spirit into the body of Christ. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 13 says it so plainly. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. I hope that you have made that decision and God the Holy Spirit has baptized you into the body of Christ. It's a very solemn word. Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. So God either plants you or he does not. If you've never been planted into the family of God because you've never personally asked Jesus to be your Savior, dear friend, do it today. Ask Jesus to plant you in his family by faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, and he will do it. Well, I trust that you have been planted into Christ, into the family of God. Now notice the second thing. Not only is he planted, which is a powerful word. Look at the next thing. He is fruitful brings forth fruit in its season. This means that, that things happen in, in, in your life. This means that, that character is produced. This means that the fruit of the Spirit is produced in you. And this is what happens if you are a child of God. Your life means something. You're not only planted, but you are, you are bearing fruit. Um, the third thing is in this list here in verse, uh, verse 3 is that... Um, that you, he is refreshing, his leaf will not wither. I like what one, one Bible scholar said, he said, God's trees are evergreen, they're always green. Expression, have you ever heard this expression, you're only uh, as old as you feel? Where does that leave me? <clears throat> I went out to the airport in Natal, Brazil, one time to pick up a, an old man. He had a cane like I use. And, uh, and uh, I said, how are you doing? He said, I'm doing well. And here's the verse he quoted me. 2 Corinthians 4.16, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Boy, that is a beautiful verse. And I certainly attest to that verse. Of course I'm an old man. I'll be 92 my next birthday. But you know, my spirit is renewed every day. The joy of the Lord fills my soul. I'm happy for each day. I'm happy I can open the Bible and read it. I'm glad I can pray. I'm glad I can teach a Bible class most of the time. I'm glad I can preach. I'm glad I can talk to people about the Lord. And when someone calls me on the phone, I can witness to them about Jesus. Because, you know why? It's because of that verse. Because we do not lose heart, 
Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. So Christian, take that verse and rejoice in it to realize you got a lot inside of you to give out to others. Let God the Holy Spirit use you for His glory, I pray. Well, anyway, not only is He planted, not only is He fruitful, not only is He refreshing, but He is also prosperous. Look at that. It says, it says in that verse, uh, whatsoever He doeth, is that, is that how it says it? Yeah, and all that he does, he prospers. That doesn't mean you're going to become rich, but it means that spiritually you have such a beautiful life. The Christian is the most prosperous person in the world. No, not financially. We're not talking about that. But, but in spiritual blessings. Jesus said it best, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Isn't that beautiful? Yep. Paul said it beautifully too in 1 Timothy 6 6. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. But I'll have to tell you, folks, there is a warning. Did you see it in verse 4? Here is a warning. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. I'm sure you know the story. The ungodly are not Christians. That's God's designation of them. The ungodly are like the shaft. That's the husks of the corn or other seeds separated by the winnowing or the threshing. The wind blows it away easily. It is unstable, has no foundation, no security, no certainty of where it will be next. This is the picture of the person who is lost. You're like shaft. Oh, what a dreadful place to be in a world that is in such tense living right now, my dear friend. Make your decision certain with the Lord Jesus. Invite him into your life. Tell him you want him to be your savior. Tell him that you want him to forgive your sin. Confess your sin to him. Repent of your life of evil and your wrongdoing because you haven't been walking this way and God will gloriously save you. And right now, even as we speak, you can do that and you can leave this auditorium today a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. What a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Well, it's wonderful. Uh, the, the, the shaft is a, is a great lesson to, to tell us all and I, I guess uh, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So in verse 5, we come, we come to this really, really part that is really hard for some people to understand. Did you see what it says? So be careful with this verse, dear people. Uh, don't let it fool you because it says, it says, therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. So some people read that and say, well, I guess I'm not going to go to judgment because it says we won't stand in the judgment. That's not what it means. Here's what that verse means, my dear friend. That means that you may think this means the ungodly are not going to be judged, but here is what this verse really means. It, taking it with all of the Bible teaching on judgment, it means 
they don't have a leg to stand on in the judgment. Someday you, without Jesus, will stand before God, the holy judge, and you won't have a leg to stand on because you haven't trusted Jesus. It will be too late then, of course. That's why we invite people to do it now while we talk because you don't know when your life will end. It is so uncertain. The next second, you can be gone. Are you with Jesus or are you out of him? Well, it's beautiful. Nothing will be on the side of those people to make them acceptable before God if they don't change their life even now. So you don't, auto, you don't automatically become the person God wants you to be. You must be born again. That's what God told Nicodemus. He said, if you want to see, if you want to see heaven, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be born again. And every one of you today who has never received Jesus as your personal Savior, you must be born again if you intend to go to heaven. So the ungodly, it says really some sad things here. The ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. This means that they will not be in heaven. What is your duty, my Christian friend? It's in Matthew 5, 16 that I've already quoted. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good work and glorify your Father in heaven. The, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. Uh, Jesus said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain and that whatever you ask of Father in my name, he may give it. Our, our duty as believers, my dear friends, is to let people know about Jesus. Well... What are you going to do about your friends who are lost and on their way to eternity without Jesus Christ? I read a, I read a sad story about, can you face the music? It's kind of simple, kind of sad, humorous in a way, but oh, so very, very serious. There was a man in the Imperial Orchestra. He could not play a note of any kind, nor could he play an instrument. But he wanted to play in the orchestra. So what did he do? He bought his way into it. He bought an instrument. He wanted to play before the emperor. He sat in the second row, but he couldn't even read music. But he was in the orchestra. Imagine that. He played the flute, but only went through the motions. He did this for two years. And then a new conductor came into the situation and auditioned each one of the members. Oh boy. The flutist played sick that day, but the conductor checked on him and said, and asked the doctor, and the doctor said, he's okay, he's not sick. So it was, he was lying, but that's how he got out of the interview that day. So anyway, Shamefacedly, he had to confess that he was a fake, that he was unable to play, 
So he could not face the music. That's the story. Could not face the music. See the, the reality of that picture? And dear people, there are some people who may be listening to my voice right now who have been playing church all their lives. Everyone around you thinks you are born again. You've never trusted Jesus. You can't face the music. When the conductor Jesus meets you face to face, you will know if you are his or not his. I pray that you will settle this. Don't go out without Jesus today. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. The happiest and saddest verse in, 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 the, in the psalm is this one, verse 6. Did you see it? For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Oh, how beautiful, and yet how sad. How sad. I was called into Bellingham one evening when I was pastor of this church, and there was a lady who was dying in the hospital, she was afraid to die. And she listened as I told her how to have peace with God and a home in heaven when she died if she would just open her life and trust Jesus as her personal Savior. She did that. She, had, she prayed a simple prayer and in her simplicity, not knowing much about even how to pray, but asked Jesus to be her Savior. And I'll tell you, he really did. He became her savior that moment. And as a personal savior that she had received that very moment, I cannot tell you the peace that came upon that dear lady's face as she slipped into the presence of Jesus. How are you going to slip into the presence of Jesus? Do you know him as your personal savior? Are you here this morning, my dear friend, and you don't really know? Please don't be embarrassed. If you don't know your eternal state right now, would you be willing to talk to me or one of these dear brothers or sisters of this church? Is there someone here that has a question in your heart and mind about this and you need some help today on spiritual matters? If you do, would you just raise your hand? Just say, I need help. Don't be ashamed to do it. Or come see us after the service. Because Jesus wants to be your Savior. And that's the reason we preach the gospel here. There's no other reason to do it. Otherwise, God will just take us home. Let's bow in prayer. Father, thank you. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Thank you, O oh God, that we can talk to you. And thank you for this beautiful psalm that has given us the contrast between those who are yours and those who are not yours. Help people today who don't know Jesus to turn to you. And may they, in the simplicity of their living right now, just say yes to Jesus and know what it means to be born again and have your joy and your peace. Be with each one of us, Lord. Help us to be witnesses for you and tell others about our Savior. 
and take us safely to our homes today and help us to keep our eyes upon Jesus. And may we live for you and have joy because we are doing this. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.